0: Hello, and welcome to the latest ClearBridge podcast. This is Jeff Schulze, CFA Investment Strategist at ClearBridge Investments. ClearBridge is a global equity manager with $177 billion in assets under management committed to delivering long-term results through authentic active management. We integrate ESG considerations into our fundamental research process across all strategies. As we lap a challenging year that has put pressure on the ability of governments and the private sector to meet economic and social challenges faced around the world, many feel an urgency to take action. And there are many ways to channel and inspire global efforts to make the world a better place. The Paris Agreement on climate change being a big one. Another global framework for thinking about how to get organized around improving sustainability around the globe is the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. The Sustainable Development Goals, also known as SDGs, may not make the headlines as much as the Paris Agreement but they are increasingly becoming part of the conversation in financial markets. Here today to talk about what the SDGs mean for investors are Kimberly Gifford, CFA, Portfolio Analyst for the ClearBridge Sustainability Leader Strategy, and Deepan Nag, Senior Analyst covering technology hardware at ClearBridge. Kimberly, Deepan, thanks for joining me in the virtual booth today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jeff. Today's podcast is titled 2021 ClearBridge Impact Report getting to know the SDGs. Accordingly, how ClearBridge thinks about the alignment between fundamental investing and the UN Sustainable Development Goals is one of several topics covered in the 2021 ClearBridge Impact Report. The report also covers a wide range of topics related to the impact that ClearBridge has as an active equity manager through integrating environmental, social, and governance factors in our fundamental security analysis, as well as through engagements with companies and proxy voting. The report is available on ClearBridge's website at clearbridge.com or through your ClearBridge representative. And I just want to start off by saying that I absolutely love this time of year. It's finally starting to thaw out here in New Jersey. I can finally put that snowblower away, which happened to break every time I brought it out. Baseball is starting up, and I actually have hope for my New York Mets because it is a new (laughs) season. I mean, that hope will slowly fade over the next couple of months, but there's hope nonetheless. But maybe one of the more underrated reasons why I love this time of year is because it's when the ClearBridge Impact Report is released. And year after year, somehow, it evolves and it manages to top the previous year's edition, with this year being no different. And one of the key themes that was explored this year comes from the United Nations and their sustainable development goals. And to be honest, I really wasn't familiar with them prior to reading the Impact Report but they're pretty important in the ESG world. Now, Kimberly, I want to start off with you, and maybe at a basic level for the listeners. What are the Sustainable Development Goals?
1: Yeah, so I know that we often throw around acronyms, and many of us can sometimes tell you what the acronyms mean, but we'll try to spell it out a little bit here. So the Sustainable Development Goals, or the SDGs, were established in 2015 by the UN, and they're a set of 17 global objectives that are broadly focused on inclusive improvement in quality of life around the world. So, though they're not fully comprehensive, the SDGs have really emerged as a common language for all stakeholders to think about the environmental and social impacts of business activities throughout the world.
0: So, there's 17 SDGs covering a lot of issues. For example, the first one is no poverty. The second zero hunger, third's good health and well-being. the fourth is quality education. I mean, these issues seem really broad. How do we know whether one of the goals is being met? And maybe, can you give us an example of how one of the SDGs
1: work? You're totally right, they are pretty broad. But what's helpful is that each goal does have underlying targets that really helps define them much more specifically. So for example, like you mentioned SDG two or Sustainable Development Goal two is zero hunger. And if you look at the underlying targets of SDG 2, you'll see, for example, target 2.2. And that target says to end all forms of malnutrition. And that really has a focus on children. And so for this target, you might think about government programs that are specifically aimed at providing meals for children. And that's a way to really focus efforts from one stakeholder group around the Zero Hunger Initiative or goal. If you look at Target 2.3, this concerns agricultural productivity and incomes of small-scale farm producers. So definitely more relevant in, in different parts of the country or different sectors of the economy. But I mean, you might think about how a consumer staples company can work with suppliers that are more small-scale food producers anywhere around the world, and they could have an impact through their operations. One more I think that's interesting is Target 2.4. So still under that zero-hunger a uh, number two broad-based SDG that concerns sustainable food production systems and really implementing a resilient agricultural practices mindset. And so you may think of companies that make farm machinery that help improve crop yields or reduce the use of pesticides. And so within this broad-based SDG, you can really drill down in the targets, some more targeted applications and different use cases for different stakeholders that could help you have a more tangible practical way of working towards achieving that broad based SDG or goal.
0: So what does that exactly mean for ClearBridge? I mean, does ClearBridge blindly follow the SDGs or is there a much more nuanced process to it?
1: I think just taking a step back, right? Most people listening have probably heard of ESG or environmental, social, and governance investing to varying degrees. And I don't think we really have time today to delve into all the different ESG investment styles. I can briefly touch on ClearBridge's approach and how it relates to today's topic. And so our ESG investing approach really integrates deep fundamental research with ESG analysis as part of our overall investment process. And this is done by every analyst at the firm, whether they cover a specific sector or are designated to a specific portfolio. And so our broad-based thoughts around ESG investing and, and our role as an active equity manager is that these public companies have very substantial social and environmental impacts that can be both positively and negatively affected by a variety of factors. So if you think about the products or solutions they provide consumers and customers, the way they run their businesses and operations and you know even as far down as the relationships with the communities where they operate and you know those are just to name a few. So as our role as an active public equity manager, we think that we could magnify this impact through our allocation of capital. And tying it back to ESG overall, tackling social and environmental challenges is a core aspect of ESG investing. And so kind of systematically mapping how the issues we care about as investors intersect with the targets and goals of the SDGs. Is really valuable exercise to help us demonstrate how our efforts have an impact in an even broader context.
0: Now, Deepan, I feel like I'm leaving you in the cold over there. Do you have anything to add to that? Expand on that at all? I'd echo what Kim said. I think that
2: the way we do things at ClearBridge is, you know, we have this long history of looking at companies from an ESG lens and doing it at the fundamental analyst level and looking for kind of materiality, right? So sitting in my seat, we've been engaged with companies and trying to understand Best practices and try to communicate and engage with companies for a long time. I think the SDGs kind of give us a common language to discuss with those companies and also provide some ways to measure their progress. So, you know, I'll give you a quick example. You know, I cover semiconductor companies and the semiconductor manufacturing process is actually very water intensive. Turns out that you need to have access to lots of fresh water. You need to be near sustainable sources. You need to make sure that the community that you're in is also obviously has access and availability of water at very large scales. And this is an SDG, actually. So the SDG is actually to address clean water and have tangible goals to get there, including things like trying to reduce and reuse wastewater. And so when engaging or talking to a company in the in our industry, I, I can use that as a way to say, well, look, this is a commonly understood way of trying to attain a certain goal. And then we can measure against that. And I feel like that allows us all to be on the same page and kind of get into a discussion that, that could be proved valuable
0: for everybody. So a common language, essentially. That's right. And you mentioned that you do talk to, about the SDGs with semiconductor companies, for example. Do you talk about the SDGs with all the companies that you talk with? And do you find that there's a high level of awareness? Or, or do you think that it should be a little bit more of a higher level than it's currently at? If I think about ESG in general,
2: you know, if I look back even a few years ago, I don't think it was actually all that well understood from all parts of the industry. So you could talk to companies... And there are always people within organizations that understood ESG and the importance of ESG. But even like, you, you talk to CEOs and CFOs, like not all of them were that conversant in ESG and the importance of it. And that seems to really change the last few years. It does seem like the conversations have changed. I think you're seeing more companies understand that ESG in general is a strategic priority. The SDGs and sustainability development goals feel kind of like ESG a few years ago, where I don't think people are as conversant about them. They don't really fully grasp what they are. But I think It's starting to percolate up and I'm hopeful that in the next few years it becomes something
0: that that becomes more top of mind. Well, it does seem like there's a lot of momentum. So I I certainly looks like that's probably going to be the case. Kimberly, I want to talk about some company examples here in a second, but before we get to that, maybe you can give us some examples of how ESG considerations ClearBridge looks at as part of the fundamental analysis, it aligns with the sustainable development
1: goals. Yeah, so building off of of what Deepon kind of gave an example of earlier and, and spoke to. We focus on very material and relevant issues within our subsectors. So more broad-based. I guess our team of fundamental sector analysts, of, of which Deepon's a part of, perform in-depth analysis of companies in their respective sectors. So these are analysts that have been covering these sectors for a very long time, are subject matter experts, have very good relationships across industry channels. And so they really know these sectors in and out from a fundamental and from an ESG point of view. And so... Each analyst is really going to break down their sector into relevant subsectors. And we'll put that in our ClearBridge ESG framework. So, for example, you can look at the financial sector and you can break that down into insurance and banks. And so we try to get very nuanced and specific in our applications. And then within each subsector... In our framework, we've identified several key ESG considerations based on the views of of our experts of our investment team. And so while there are some ESG considerations that are material and relevant to every sector, think things like governance or human capital management, there are nuanced issues that are particularly relevant for specific sectors. And we want to make sure that those get the attention that they deserve. And so when you think about these key ESG considerations, many of them overlap with one or more of those, you know, we talked about the many targets underneath the the 17 broad base SDGs. And so we can drill down and kind of see where our key considerations by subsector map over or overlap with the underlying targets, which means that, you know, kind of good performance by companies on these issues that we talk to them about through our engagements can really help achieve the SDG underlying targets and then also the broader based goals. And so I think while we believe the SDGs are kind of more thematic than company specific, they do help us demonstrate the alignment of our research framework of sector and company specific ESG considerations with these much more broad societal goals and the impact that investing within this framework can have.
0: Yeah. So, so marrying both of the processes together gives a, a more of a 360 holistic view of the ESG impact that this particular company is having. That, that makes sense. Deepan, I want to talk about some specific examples. Everybody loves company stock examples and the impact report is chock full of them. And one of the examples that they talk about is how the sustainable development goals are relevant for the tech hardware sector that you cover. Can you walk us through, you know, kind of how you're thinking about them? Happy
2: to. So there's obviously a number of things we can talk about. I I touched on water usage earlier, but obviously, climate change and and greenhouse gas emissions are obviously a very important focus as well. We invest in... And we like to invest in companies where ESG is actually a material value driver for the company. So for example, we have a large holding in T-Connectivity, which is an auto component supplier. And they sell into the automotive market, both for legacy internal combustion engine cars, but also into electric vehicles, and they actually benefit from that transition because they have twice as much content in electric vehicles. And we're big believers in electric vehicle adoption. 30% of U.S. greenhouse gases came from the transportation sector. And so as we see the world shift towards electric vehicles, that's going to really reduce the carbon footprint of the country. And we're very close to it. If you look now, I think the, the total cost of ownership of an electric vehicle is already below that of internal combustion engine car. And we think in the next couple of years, the sticker price will be as well. So that's something that we think will actually... That's a trend that actually aligns with the SDGs, but also materially benefits uh, a company we own. Another one just on the climate change theme would be Equinix, which is a large data center operator that we own. And Equinix has committed to sourcing 100% of its energy from renewable sources. That in and of itself is not that unusual. There's a lot of companies that put up those targets. But what I think really makes Equinix special is that it actually drives value for their customers. You're starting to see more customers use equity facilities because they're finding that that reduces their own internal greenhouse gas emissions. And so it lets them hit their goals. And that's actually driving differentiation in the marketplace. And so it's kind of this like virtuous cycle where you start seeing positive traction towards the SDGs,
0: driving positive value for shareholders. And I think that's the kind of investing that we like to do. I think that's going to be a trend that continues over the next couple of decades. Obviously, ESG has been big in Japan and Europe for decades. It's just starting to gain much broader awareness here in the U.S. So, Kimberly, I want to come back to you and about the 17 sustainable development goals. I mean, that seems like a lot to remember. Are there certain goals or themes that you're monitoring in the sustainability leader strategy that seem relevant to today?
1: Yeah, so you're right. 17 goals, 169 underlying targets. There's certainly something for everyone and it covers a broad swath of, of the challenges that, that face our world today. So in my role as an analyst in the sustainability leader strategy, my team and I are looking for companies that are addressing global challenges and, and managing their business operations with a sustainable mindset. So this can include both established and emerging leaders that address things like climate change, resource conservation, improving health and financial inclusion, just to name a few. So one company that I think is very interesting and ties both of the things that we're looking for, which is the product or service that that they're serving the consumers is sustainable in addition to running their business operations quite sustainably, and that's Vital Farms. And Vital Farms specializes in pasture-raised eggs and butter, But it's also really focused on the humane treatment of farm animals and sustainable farming practices. So this investment is especially relevant to achieving Sustainable Development Goal 2, which is zero hunger, like we spoke about before, and many of the sub-targets. And so this is an example kind of a company whose core product and its operations are contributing to a more sustainable world. And, you know, sometimes a lot of the E-related or environmental climate change or renewable energy get a lot more attention. But I think this is an interesting area where you can see that despite having many sustainable development goals and many people initially gravitate towards clean energy or climate changes as as more investable areas, there are certainly areas that potentially fall more S or or social. But with that said, now I'm going to pivot to an environmental example that, that I really like, which is... Regal Beloit. And you know they provide electric motors and controls for a wide swath of industries. And when you think about it globally, motors consume upwards of 40% of electricity production. So through Regal's focus on improving the efficiency of their motors and controls, they're really enabling a meaningful reduction of GHG emissions for their customers that, that use their products. And their products are also used in the solar and wind power industries. And so this is another example of a company that's providing products and services that help the customers run their operations more efficiently from an energy consumption standpoint, as well as enabling sources of renewable energy. And this would really be in line with several of the SDGs focused on climate change and clean energy.
0: Tremendous insight, Kimberly. Deepon, maybe the same question to you. Where do you find your research most relevant for the sustainable development goals? Yeah, I mean, I think it really encompasses everything, right? Because I do think
2: sustainability, it permeates every facet of every company at this point. There are a couple, to Kim's point earlier, about a lot of things focusing on the environmental side. There are a lot of social implications as well. And if I think about the tech sector specifically, tech companies own physical assets, but their most important asset by far is their people, right? And so this is an industry that has historically been dominated by men. And you're trying to see more representation, both in terms of gender equality, as well as underrepresented minorities. And so then that means that companies have started putting out targets in terms of trying to drive more women into senior technical positions. Intel, for example, I think targeted 40% of all technical positions to be held by women by the year 2030. We've seen a lot of investment into communities trying to drive underrepresented minorities into the STEM field, just to create a pipeline of opportunity. And so this is a really big focus for the for the industry as a whole. And, and it's, it's really the, the seed corn of the industry. You need smart, talented people uh, from all walks of life to really drive that creative innovation that kind of drives all technology. So we're looking for companies that get that, that do you know try to drive more talent throughout their ranks, and we think that's a material driver for those companies' value over time.
1: And deep on on that point, I think a lot of your companies' products and services also help enable people who may not have had access to technology prior and can use it to improve their lifestyle, or also open them up to jobs that they may not have had before through training, whether it be like remote. So. I think there's multiple aspects where you can see not only what are they doing internally, but a lot of what they do that helps the world more broadly is what they're doing externally as well.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you see this digital divide where people have not had access to internet services. And over the past year, I think that's really shown just how important it is to have access to just broadband services. And so you've seen increased investment into fixed wireless products. It's a 5G product that can actually drive broadband type services into rural communities, trying to reduce prices for, for certain products into unrepresented or parts of, of urban locations. So you're absolutely right. It's a huge focus in the industry and it does drive some market opportunities actually quite large, but also
0: absolutely helps align with the, uh, the STGs. Well, I think we're running up on time here. I feel like we could talk about this for literally an hour and still have more content for another hour. But Kimberly Deepon, I really appreciate that you're able to join me here today in the virtual booth. This has truly been an amazing conversation. And I really just enjoyed how you're able to bring ClearBridge's ESG materiality framework to life with real examples of of company engagement. Maybe we can do this again in person, hopefully in a year or (laughs) or so. But I want to say thanks for joining me here. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, Jeff. It's been great. Thank
0: you. And thank you, everybody, for listening to today's podcast. I hope that you learned as much as I did about ESG and how ClearBridge's approach is unique and impactful. I very much encourage you to go to ClearBridge's website to check out the new impact report. It continues to get better year after year. I really do think that it's chock full of great company examples and how to look at the new ESG landscape as it continually evolves. Please have a safe and healthy April, and I hope you'll join us again for next month's podcast. And as always, we'd love to get your feedback about the topics that we cover on our podcasts and how we can make them better. You can contact us with questions, comments, and suggestions by emailing us at podcast at clearbridge.com. Take care. Please note the following. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. The opinions and views expressed in today's podcast are of the individual speakers as of April 6th, 2021, and may differ from other managers or the firm as a whole, and are not intended to be forecast of future events, a guarantee of future results, or investment advice. Any statistics reference have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but the accuracy and completeness of this information cannot be guaranteed. Neither ClearBridge Investments nor its information providers are responsible for any damages or losses arising from any use of this information.